Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just you forgot to enter. Whoa. Hey there, everybody. This is Connor Hallway, a.k.a. Big Bochi, the host of the Golden Hours podcast. And Big Fresh and I are trying to improve our game and elevate the podcast game. So we started up an Amazon skill because Abu is a computer science whiz. So with that being said, this is a GDP Minute, man. I'm just going to give you guys a quick rundown of what happened on the podcast. And if my sales pitch entices you, man, I'd love for you to listen to the full episode. So... This is Will Noonan's Golden Hour. This was the first episode we ran in our new space, and he referred to it as the set of an ISIS hostage tape, which I thought was quite clever and funny. But Will's a stand-up comedian in the city, and he discussed how he kind of got his name out there in the city, how he's been able to build the consistencies and the failures that have gone into him actually becoming the face of New England Honda, a bunch of his commercial work. And what I took away most from him was just like the persistence. I've been learning this thing from this dude called, named Andy Frisella, who's a, a big podcast host. And he also runs a massive, massive nutrition company. And he said, hey, man, every day do five things that are going to bring you forward, that are going to keep you moving forward because your goals and your dreams can seem so daunting. Will actually reiterated something the same where he said, hey, man, every day I do one thing that's going to bring me forward. And so now, man, he's one of the most accomplished stand-up comedians in the city. I learned that from him. I also learned a lot about how much he hated high school and kind of the effect it had on him. And I'm learning slowly that a lot of uh, a lot of successful people, they come from a stifled beginning. And so I'm learning that he definitely has channeled some of his anger. And actually, this won't be the GDP minute. This will be the, the cold opener for the audio. But hey, man, I hope you guys enjoy. Again, if there's anything that you take away from the podcast and what we're trying to build in the city, please just share it with a friend. Share it with your shorty. I won't text her. I won't come after her. And uh, yep, that's Big Boji. All right, enjoy. I see. I remember one time I saw this guy. How gruesome. This guy hit a deer on the other side. He was like on two lanes, right? And he hits it and it flies across and it flew right across like my vision and I, I looked into its eyes, and I was like, "That thing's already dead." I remember. I remember. So I the eyes like, were in the. Back I was like, of "It head. was dead before it hit the." I saw it go like, and like hit the side and like bounce around and shit. But I was like, "It was dead when it hit that dude's car," and it ran directly into the side of it, like, you know, like just like it was committing suicide. Hey, hi, hello, whoa, hey, sup, sup, <laughs> hi. I'm Will Noonan, and this is my golden hour. Oh, oh God, what's going on? Where am I going? Dad? Yes, my son. I am Deuce, the deer god. I'm so confused. Who am I? Derek. Your true name is Dercules. Dercules. Wait, what? Yes. You are Hercules, the god of the forest. Season five. Hosted by your favorite podcast host, Big Bochi. You already know the deal, motherfucker. What's up? So, for reference, yes, this is. We can take these out for sure. (laughs) This is a trap. (laughs) It's much easier. So, this is our first episode in the new space. 
I, I, I came in today thinking like, damn, I'm wildly prepared for this episode. <laughs> but before I got to sit down, Will saw me go full manic mode up and down trying to set up the camera. Yeah, we're in the back of an empty warehouse right now. It's a ni- It's 90 degrees. Uh, Are you already starting to perspirate a little bit? I'm perspirating? Perspiring? (laughs) Perspiring. I got it on my mustache. There's this weird black sheet. You don't know what's behind it. Off camera are a bunch of men in black hoods with AK-47s pointed at me, and I just say whatever Connor says. And we're looking for the ransom. Yeah, whatever whatever they tell me to say, I'll have to say. I'm blinking in Morse code. (laughs) (laughs) Mom! Send hot pockets. <laughs> Where do you run your show? At, uh, at the crib? Capo? No, no, no. Oh, your, my pocket. Your podcast, my, yeah. uh, we do that at my friend's studio, Brickwall Paul. He's like my best friend, producer, all sorts of things. Oh, and so you have a little commercial space? or he's got He's got a little studio in his apartment that he's built. He does Twitch. He does all kinds of things on his I, own. I could probably use some of his help, man. Oh, he's a genius. He, people send him emails all the time, and he, he, he answers with technical advice. What's his name, Paul? Paul. Uh, Not Paul Rabel. No. <laughs> Who I've also yeah, worked with. I know. You're a lacrosse guy? <laughs> no, but when I normally what I do to prepare for most episodes is I'll just go on YouTube. Do a background? Well, well, I'll just go on YouTube just to make sure I don't ask the same exact questions as most ah. people. And uh, yeah, the Paul Rabel thing was a curveball for me, man. That was awesome. Yeah, that's Paul Rabel. I have to. What admit, a stud! It was a guy I didn't really know much about before I met him because I'm not a big lacrosse guy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I love sports. I'm just not a big lacrosse guy. Uh, but it, but he's like the Michael Jordan of lacrosse players, which I didn't know that. So meeting him was really cool. And then he's like the only dude who's like, from my understanding, he was making that bag off of lacrosse. Big time, big time, and that was my only experience working with like a famous athlete in that way like we filmed the whole commercial together all day it was very interesting it was interesting to see that process because he didn't really have to you know as an actor you really got to like be on your shit can i swear yeah yeah be on your shit s word s-h-i-t shit s word man s-h work uh you gotta be on your shit you gotta know your lines da 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 but when you're like a famous athlete they sort of the whole commercial is designed around you so you show up and they're like hey man we're just gonna say stuff to you and like repeat it they're you just, repeat they're it just back. marketing your likeness yeah well they they cut it like you know like if you're an actor you gotta come and have your lines memorized and kind of hit them on repeat and on, on what, what were the lines it was like i got that it was like i got that it was super easy you know but he showed up he was like what are we doing here today you know what i mean like he had no idea what was going on and then but that's it's a life man but that's the way it's supposed to be i hear that's how uh I hear those Michael Jordan, like, Haynes commercials, you know? Oh, I forget. What, what was his punchline in those commercials? I don't remember, but it's, he's been, he did them for years, right? Like, no no, no, yeah, tag, no, tag. no bacon neck or whatever. And <laughs> remember that? Yeah, yeah, got no that bacon, bacon neck. neck. Uh, but I heard that's how they film those two. He shows up. He's on the set for, like, an hour. And they just film his lines and get a couple facial reactions and he's out the door and then they just do it all later. And that that was the Paul Rabel treatment too. Well, a little bit like that. I mean, he but he we like improv together. Me and him did a vine together. Like he was a fun he was a fun dude to uh, hang out oh, with for a day. Oh, this was back in the vine days. Yeah. He he was real into it. He was like I was verified or whatever on Vine. I was like a semi big viner and he was like I didn't even know that. He was like, "Dude, what's like? Let's do some vines together." We made one right there. 
Okay, before we move on. So, yes, we are in a new space. I'll have more information to come because the aesthetic's <laughs> going to be totally different. I got a feeling this camera is going to look terrible, but I know Will's shot looks This one's going to look good. You're going to look handsome, man. You're well lit. We you have no idea. <laughs> Jack and I uh, <laughs> constructed the studio within the last like four days and we're probably going to paint it and we got some more info coming but that's for another time yes. before we move on also quick disclaimer i told myself i was going to start implementing the episode we don't do any ads probably because we don't have the leverage to do so <laughs> but no sponsors <laughs> exactly but if there is something of value that you take away from this episode share with a friend man subscribe we're good guys over here this is episode 111 that's impressive. That's why I'm here. I saw that you were. I, I saw the Drew Don, and I was like, I. It, first of all, it was a great interview. Thank I was you. like, saw that. I was like, it looks good. Sounds that good. guy Connor looks like a good guy. Yeah, it looks like a good guy. The whole thing looked good, and I saw Drew, and I was like, that was good. Uh, but then I even saw then again as someone who has a couple podcasts myself, I was like, 111 episodes. That's no joke. A lot of you mania know, on my most, dad's side of the family, man. <laughs> Channeling well, it. most podcasts don't make it to like 11. Well, it's, I think I think as you know, so I started with most film stuff. I think as you know, production-wise, a podcast is very easy. Yeah, especially just if you just do audio, it's super easy. Yeah, you just made the transition to video? Oh, yeah, like, I don't know, six months ago. And, and, and I don't do anything. Like, I show up and Paul does all the hard work on our on our show, on our like, shout out to Paul. Shout out, dude. Paul's the man. Brick wall, Paul. Paul Wall. First time I met him, he was fixing a hole in my friend's wall. So, and you got that Joe Rogan brick wall to start your episodes, too. Dude, he does it. Yeah, that's like he. That's kind of what we were going for. Was like the Joe Rogan, uh, sort of, just kicking it vibe. Mm -hmm. You know, opening it. That's what I got from it too. Yeah, it's pretty much it, and it's growing. It's it's hard, as you know. It's there's so much stuff on YouTube. It's like. I mean, it's an ocean. It's, it's Literally. But in Boston, yeah. it's not. No, in Boston, it's not. Um, but it is. It's so hard. I mean, I, I, I go on sometimes just to see, all right, what's streaming right now? Like, who's doing a talk show? Mm -hmm. I'll watch it. I do one, you know? And it's tough to find one with more than, a, you know, 100 people watching it. Absolutely. Most people are just... You're, you're on Twitch mostly? No, we're on YouTube the most. Wait, wait. Stiff arm, let me cut you off. Yeah. To my right... If my head is not cut off in this shot, I have an extremely accomplished <laughs> stand-up comedian from Boston slash entertainer slash show organizer. Oh, many thanks. And again, he was in a Paul Rabel commercial and he's in all your favorite haunted commercials. <laughs> Thank you for coming, bro. My pleasure, man. Honest to God. Corporate shake. Corporate shake. I have to give credit, though, to the show. I'm not really a show organizer. Uh, because I thought you, I love the Capo show. I love Capo, but that's not like really. I mean, it's my it's my baby in the sense of I love I host it and I have uh a, a, I'm one piece of the creative part of that show. There's there's John Tobin presents as the producer, uh, the people at Capo, you know, the restaurant Capo itself also has immaculate. Yeah, and they're so like we work with them, you know, it's like closely. And it's been two years now, so it's like it's this cool thing where I ho I get to host it, and I get to do it, and I get to pick the comedians that are on it mostly, along with uh, the production company. But it's like this; 
it's this great thing where I don't have to worry so much that I can actually have just host a show well and make the show good every week. And uh, Capo does just a great job of like setting it up for us. And it's also a really good venue, I think, for comedy. Just it the is. Downstairs. And, that's, and that's the thing. John Tobin presents. They found it. They set it up. So it's like, it's his team effort, the Capo show, and it's a, fuck, it's and it's a like a fucking mo- great team effort. And, and it's like a Monday, too, so I'm sure they don't have a whole lot of hustle and bustle through there on a Monday night. No, and it started off two years ago as like a thing we were going to do on just for a few months in their slow months of the summer, and comedians are slow in the summer, so it was like, this was just temporary, see how it goes, and it's become a thing, and it's one of my favorite days of the week, and uh, it's definitely one of the things people come up and talk to me about all the time. Like on the streets. Well, Ca- the streets. Capo for my demographic is like the spot to mm-hmm. go get loose on like a Friday, Saturday night. It's very true. So my girlfriend is on the younger side. How, how much younger than you? <laughs> 11 years. Whoa. We got a dog in the building. <laughs> <laughs> how, how old are you? I'm 36. Your wife is 25? She's 25. Word. <laughs> that's you know, awesome how did it show business yeah, well yeah my we live together we're very serious it's not like she's just some some hoe but uh you know like what, we're very tight what, love her very dearly what, what was that like initially when you had well i've dated a, i've dated girls who are like around 10 years younger than me a couple times maybe three times but i've, I've also gone older my age i sort of just never cared about age uh, I never, <laughs> so like both, all those times. As, as most dudes who like yeah. younger girls do. Yeah, as most dudes, it's like you just don't give a shit. Nothing but a number, man. Nothing but a number. The girl I dated right before I met my girlfriend was older than me by a couple, by like, I don't know, four years. But it was funny, like, I'd go up four years and I'd go down like 12 <laughs> to 13. But I just was dating on Tinder, I didn't know. But I met, when I met my girlfriend, I didn't know how old she was until I'd already been talking to her for like a couple hours. And I actually thought... I assumed she was like in her twenties, but I didn't know how old. And w- was your family at first like, "Whoa"? Not, not my family, especially because it's not that it's not that <laughs> it's not that unusual for me to. Oh, they expected to it. date a younger girl, or to just they're like, "What high school you been hanging out at, man?" <laughs> I was getting that rep because I dated a girl who was like when I was thirty or something. I dated a girl who was like twenty one for a little while it was another situation <laughs> this, guy, this guy's sick it was another time i didn't know you know just met went on a i met her she hit me up on snapchat or whatever i was just happy she was 21 i was like jesus christ i just came over here he could have been like one of those 17 year olds that looks you know <laughs> looks 25 <laughs> to catch a predator yeah it's like ah <laughs> i was like this is a dangerous game but uh but yeah no it's just her parent, her parents are cool with it. I'm cool with it. We're all cool with it. it. It's like it's one of those things where if she, it didn't, it didn't like really come up. I don't know. It doesn't come up that often. I think if you're, I think if you're like a new studio's got some flies, yeah. bro. I think if you, I think if I was like 40 and she was 25, it'd be like, and I was maybe a different type of dude, but like a 36 year old comedian. And a 25-year-old, I don't want to give away what she does, but she's like got a very serious like medical-type job. It's like we're kind of the same maturity. Yeah, so it's just like my my daughter's the goofball, kind of. Is yeah. that the vibe? Yeah, it's like, well, we all, I love, you know, 
her I get along really well with her parents and her friends and shout out to wifey. Yeah. But I think it's more like I'm <laughs> I just it works. It just works, yeah. It never comes up. It's not like it, like once in a great while I'll be like you're on some millennial shit right now. You know? Well, what is the Or pre- she'll be like you're on some old guy shit. What is the precipice for age for millennial? Do you know? I think technically I'm a millennial. I was going to say that. I was born in 1982. I think that makes me like the very I think 81 is the first year. Why do they call it a millennial? Is it because you grew up past 2000? Yeah, I think it's like you're, you come of age. I was, I graduated high school in 2001. So internet just started kind of. Yeah, Facebook was just coming out when I was, like Mark Zuckerberg and me are the same age. Word. So he was in college when I was in college. He was making that stuff when I was. You went to school around here? No, I went to school in New York City. I went to an acting conservatory down there uh, called the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. It's part Whoa. of the new school. And where was high Classically school? Classically trained actor, Shakespeare, all that shit. <laughs> Are settings like that wicked strict? Um, you know what I'm saying? Like Sometimes I picture like the Lee Strasberg like, Institute yeah, as like, very just like everyone's really quiet. Well, that's themselves. the... Lee Strasberg method was what we were taught to. That was like the school kind of school we were in. Uh, we were and we were directly next to Juilliard, which is an extremely strict acting program. This one was, I'd say, it was on the stricter side. Like I was, uh, we would have to memorize. You know, it would be like twenty five. It would be like twenty pages of dialogue every night f- between all your classes. You know, you'd have five pages here and there from each class and you're sitting down and you just got to know it all the next day and then it's like studying for a test kind of yeah somewhere. and then they give you more stuff and so but it's great training but it is intense it's like a boot camp type type thing for for actors and people think people think acting is uh you know it's not hard it's not digging ditches it's not um you know, rocket sciences. There's definitely harder jobs, but it is a job, and it's not something just anyone can do. People think it's easier than it is because, like anything, if you make it look easy, the best people who do it make it look really easy. For sure. You know, but it's it's really hard to do. You can tell all the time when you watch a commercial, and all of a sudden the person who owns the business is in the commercial. It's like all of a sudden you have all these people who are free-flowing and natural and, and making you feel good, and then all of a sudden a guy walks out and he's like, buy my furniture. It's the best furniture. You know, exactly. you're like, whoa, whoa, what the fuck did this guy come from? That, that Bob's discount. Yeah, you know, something <laughs> like that. And it's just kids or, in a movie, you know, all of a sudden the kid starts talking. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> what, what's it? Actually, also before I move on, can you just, uh, uh, can you tell everyone who you are, what you do? <laughs> Quick synopsis. Will Noonan, stand-up comedian, actor, I guess. Great guy. Great all around great guy. Dater of uh that, that water shoe, by the way. Ah. Drinker of water. Acadia. <laughs> Stop and shop Stop brand. Stop and shop brand. It's a great brand. Uh, those are for you too, yes, sir. Do you edit this all like in chunks? No, it's continuous. Continuous? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. So what's up guys? Thanks for hanging out to this point and finding out my name. Oh well yeah, <laughs> we'll do something at the end that we work into the the front of the episode and the end of the episode. It's all good. Things are great. It's all good, man. This is a great little spot. I'm happy to be here. Golden Deer. How'd you come up with that? Do you want me to give you the scumbag salesman version or the... Give me the pitch line, like the... Give me the shortest. So, in college, <laughs> I was 
I was making YouTube videos under the pseudonym Coach Connie. There were sketches for the most part. Uh-huh. And um, what college? Providence College. Okay. Around wasn't wasn't the best student. I've done a gig, gig or two there. Well, that was one thing was th- that I wanted to kind of talk about a little bit is when you had started going full time. What's well, t- I want to hear the goal? Oh yeah, sorry to segue. First. Sorry to segue. ADHD man. I keep Connor on point in his own show. I'm drinking some rocket fuel over here. (laughs) Um, Under the pseudonym Coach Connie, I was making YouTube videos. And at that time, YouTubers had just started using end cards that said, like, subscribe, edit. I mean, Uh, subscribe, next video, XYZ, right? Yeah, yeah. So me and Jack, who was supposed to be here this morning, were, were thinking of a logo. And so my freshman year at Providence, the name of our floor was The Barn because it was just disgusting, right? And everyone had their own animal. And I was like the flamboyant pony who was always (laughs) doing like ridiculous shit. But I grew up in Lincoln, Mass on a road called Deerhaven Road. So we were mulling over for like two weeks, pony or deer, right? Pony or deer. So these were back in my Adderall days. Wow. So so I'm coming back from Sudbury, 4 a.m., right? Route two, <laughs> fog lights down, smash, <laughs> deer, obliterated. Just yeah, I've seen it happen many times. As what? <laughs> what type of circles are you hanging? I'm on? a comedian on the road. I see a lot of deer get well, you, hit. You've you witnessed the deer get hit at least five times. No way. How do you <laughs> sleep at night, I've done dude? A, I mean, I've like, hundreds of hours of of driving just over the through years. the country. All over place, man. I see. I remember one time I saw this guy. How gruesome! This guy hit a deer on the other side. He was like on two lanes, right? And he hits it, and it flies across, and it flew right across like my vision. And I, I looked into its eyes, and I was like, "That thing's already dead." I remember. I remember. Well, so I the eyes like, were in the. Back I was like, of "It head. was dead before it hit the." I saw it go like, and like hit the side and like bounce around and shit. But I was like. It was dead when it hit that dude's car. And it ran directly into the side of it. Like, you know, like just like it was committing suicide. That was kind of what happened with me, dude. It was like slow-mo. So there was like a quarter second where I was driving back where like I felt like I was existential outside my body. Yeah. And I saw it happen. And I literally just, the pose of Derek Deer is like. That's what they, uh, that's what it feels like when you really bomb on stage kind of. You feel like outside of your body. At the beginning, I can remember that. I can remember feeling that way. Like I was in the back watching myself like, wow. Like bird's eye view kind of? Yeah, you're just like, this is, when it's really that bad. This I mean, is not clicking. I, I don't know how to compare it. I was saying that to someone the other day, like, someone was like, how do you, it was like a question. How do you, you know, how do you deal with nerves or whatever? And it's so hard to answer now. Cause it's, because you're so deep in the game. It's been a long time since I've really felt a lot of nerves. I mean, even the nerves I get, like if I get some gig that I'm really like, oh man, I really want to kill. It's like a different type. It's not the same as back Those, are, those are butterflies. Yeah. Back in the day, it is hard. I mean, even someone who really loves being in front of people and I, I've never really been shy to be in front of a crowd, but, uh, you know, like to bomb hard early when it counts sucks it's just there's no other feeling like that i mean i don't know if anyone i think it's what keeps people where were you, were you your bad bombs in new york or when you had come back up here i think some of my worst ones were up here because in new york you can bomb but there's 12 people in the crowd 13 14 i did have a couple i remember i did a show for the huffington post down there it was like one of my first big shows and i bombed 
hard. And it was like kind of the lesson of I shouldn't have even done this show. It's like a nerdy political comedy show. And I just took the gig because like I'll take anything. Mm -hmm. But then I realized like I don't do political jokes. I do like fucking like, especially at that time, I did like really celebrity heavy, just pop culture jokes. Well, you had some hilarious joke at the Capitol night. There was some dude, you're like, what sports do you play? I don't know if you remember this. You're like, what sports do you play? He's like, football, baseball, soccer. Do you remember this? Uh, and you kept calling him football, baseball, soccer. <laughs> I was like, that's the most disrespectful <laughs> shit. <laughs> That is That shit was hilarious That does sound like me Big football, baseball I say like Big yeah. waste football, baseball, soccer He had it ready Exactly I used to I, I always like how There's a certain type of dude It's usually a jock type dude When you ask him their name They're so used to acting cool Like uh You know What do you want for lunch? Uh I don't know Like they're so used to just that mode that even when you ask them their own name, they go, they go, hey, dude, what's your name? They go, uh, Brian. <laughs> like, they don't even know. Uh, uh. <laughs> like, uh. And it's that, in that space of time where they're going like, uh, they're like, uh, what? Don't say anything my friends will think is gay. Uh, don't, uh. What would be a fire name to choose? Yeah, don't say anything lame. Like, what is your name? Who's looking at you? It's like they're uh, doing math. Uh, I just laugh. People think that women are the only vapid, like, self-centered people on earth. But guys are constantly, like, picturing a camera crew that's a non-existent camera crew filming them. <laughs> Kind of like this one. Like, we have on, a real on, one. On these $100,000 cameras. 100000 They're this big. Can you just do a quick translation on what the word vapid means? It's, it's vapid? It's like... Uh, what a question from Butch Bonnie. It means like shallow and, you know, like the women on The Bachelor would be considered very vapid. Like, not, not a lot below the surface. Just kind of like a... You know what they want type thing. Yeah, just not... You know, vapid is sort of like... What you see is on the surface is what you get. There's not a lot of depth to the person. So when did you, where did you go to high school? I went to Milton High School. I graduated from Milton High School. I did some time in Catholic school. Where? Before that, in, at St. Sebastian's in Needham. I don't even really like to shout well, them out. W wildly familiar with the arrows, man. I don't want them to ever. Uh, My, I, I did not have a pleasurable experience there. so I, I, always, I, I could see you not really fitting into that setting I did too not well. fit in well there at all. Because you really, I know, right? Like you, So you know that. I was maybe as as ill-equipped for like Catholic. I was just say, were you very unfiltered? Prep school, yeah. I was a real punk actually. I was kind of like smoking a lot of cigarettes, <laughs> wearing like, DC shoes, DC shoes, in the heelys. Like fucking, I smoked butts. Like I didn't even like it. I remember like I didn't even really like it, but I just was like, I gotta do something to just like show my disdain for. It was like prison, you know. Were, were you a non-athlete? No, I was. I was a three-sport athlete, and I you were was, good. I was okay. Like, you couldn't really go to that school. And like, even though I was, like, the artsy kid, I was still, I still played hockey. I still played, I, I, every season I played a sport. Uh, well, and I like it. I still it's just part it. of the culture at a lot of these Catholic schools yeah. is, like, because it's all dudes. Yeah, it's all dudes. I mean, and it's crazy. Like, a lot of those guys I went to school with ended up being pro hockey players, and it's, like, the hallways. When you're in seventh grade and you're sharing the hallways of a school with a dude, who's like been held back three times and he's going to play. I mean, there were full grown men with like beards. At that and you say, what's your name? He goes, uh, Mike, <laughs> Mike Pandolfo. Yeah. So it was, I got, I got, you know, I had some 
good times and bad times there. I think it's one of those kind of like life things where if I had never gone there, I might have never became an actor because there was this teacher there who sort of saw that I didn't belong there and saw that I was having a rough time, and he was like, hey, why don't you do this play? Like, why don't you audition for this thing? And you were making jokes about the rectory, I'm sure. Yeah, like, I, he, he totally, this guy, Steve Rogers, same name. Shout out to Steve. Same name as Captain America. Whoa. Who, who actually went to the high school I went to? Chris Evans? Yes, sir. Fucking A. I love Captain America. That, that, that's a huge accomplishment that's for me. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> uh, Continue, my fault. No, uh, so this guy... He's he sort of I I really think he did the he did the thing teachers were supposed to do, which is he saw he was like oh, I bet this kid needs he he's no, he doesn't know that he's like meant for the stage or whatever. So anyway, he got me these parts. He gave me big parts in the plays and uh, <laughs> never molested me or anything. Never did anything creepy. Just was a great teacher. And uh, so I always kind of want to say, as much as I had a horrible time there. You know that came from it, so you became a thespian, and then and then I ended up going back to public school and continuing with the acting stuff there, and I won like these Boston Globe, Massachusetts acting awards, and then I got to go to acting school. So then it was like, you know, I could show those to my parents and be like, hey, like I won these awards, like you should let me go to this school where they don't teach anything but acting, which is kind of a tough sell when you're 18 years For old. For sure, you know. Especially but, if you're from Milton, I'm sure most kids are going to normal. My brother school. is went. My brother went to Harvard, you know. Oh. But I'm like, oh, so you just come from that super genius family? Yeah, but I was kind of like, my my dad's a Boston cop, my mom's a teacher, but we're all like sort of when we get into something, we just obsessively work hard at it. Like that's the thing in our family. Same way, man. Yeah, you know. So, are you full Irish? Uh, I'm Irish and Scottish, so it's kind of. So you kind of got the, you got that mania in your blood too. Yeah, we drink hard, we work hard, all that shit. But uh, yeah, so I always, as much as I kind of had a miserable time in Catholic school, and I, and I thought it was, I would never, ever send my kid to a place like that. <laughs> I, I, but I feel good like stuff came from it, though. I feel like that's kind of like a life hindsight thing, though, right? It's just like everything you do in your life just leads up to where you're at yeah now. and nothing is completely bad or completely good like a bad relationship as much as it can suck to go through it you learn from you it. learn from it and you won't make you won't make those same mistakes again or you won't walk into the same thing so it's like that is true as much as that sucked but it's it's crazy how uh like my memory works like i remember i have a very good memory and i remember a lot of my childhood i was at that school for like four years and i have like three memories it's Whoa. it's weird how you, when you you're not it having out. a good time, you just, you, it's like the computer's not saving. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It's, I think it's like a, it's like a defensive, defense mechanism. Yeah. Kinda. It's like you're just not present. You're not taking it in. You don't feel like yourself. Yeah, it's very strange. Like, I have more memories from like the two years I was at Milton High than the four years I was at. Oh, uh, oh, oh! So you, at Seb's, you were at, at that other school. That other school. <laughs> it was, I don't like, even like, like Voldemort. Yeah, it's true. I don't, like, should not be I don't like it because they're totally the type of place that would, despite me saying all this shit, would be like, look at this guy. He went here. He's he's doing well now. And uh, it's all because he went here. Like, they're the first school that would do My, that. Yeah. I think it's, it's a tough situation. Like, I, I definitely couldn't have functioned in like a Catholic school growing up, too. Yeah. You probably felt stifled, I'm sure, for the most part. Yeah, I think it was... I think I was just... 
I don't know. Like looking back, I I think this sounds kind of like trite, but I was growing up. I was like looking forward to high school. I was looking forward to chicks. I was looking forward to like dating and the stuff Smoking I'd seen on TV. You know, like I wanted to save by the bell life. You wanted that Breakfast Club speaker over your head type life. I wanted that, you know. And then I'm sitting there with a tie with an alcoholic guy who hasn't been tested. You know what I mean? That's the thing. The teachers at those schools, they just get hired and then they stay there forever. And there's no government or anything that's really watching them or anything like that. So half these guys were like checked out drunks who were there to coach football or to... Mm -hmm. They had some other job that really like they did at the school. Were your parents Catholic? Is that why? Uh, yeah, but I think it was, I totally don't think my parents were being, I don't think it was anything other than they thought they were doing a hundred percent the right thing. Like my, it had worked out very well for my brother and sister, uh, private school. And, uh, it wasn't like, and I think they were just saying like, Hey, this is the best week. Like this, like we work hard, we can send our kids to private school. I don't think it had anything to do with like anything else. I'm just well, just because, like, my father's side of the family, I kind of feel like if your dad, like, worked blue collar, my dad kind of did the same thing. There's just, like, a, there's still kind of that Catholic presence. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was something like that. I think, I think my mom that put a lot of value on, like, pride, it, which is funny because she was a public school teacher, but I think she found, I think she saw a lot of, like, value in the small classrooms of, of a private school especially if her son was adhd off the walls right? yeah exactly and i think she just i think she saw too that i was in, in the junior high a public junior high i was getting i was like popular but i was popular because i was kind of like wild and crazy yeah same way man so she was like let's get him like into a so i think i don't think anyone i don't think anyone can really be painted as a villain and except for the except for some of the administrators at the catholic school but even amongst catholic w- schools will still the pissed will still pissed i know i am still pissed there are people there that it's I over dude I, sometimes sometimes i have this fantasy that they'll <laughs> that they'll like invite me back to to make a speech right and i have two fantasies one is like i just say no that's it and the second one is I say yes, and I go back and I make a speech. You flip off the crowd. And then like halfway through, I'm like, and if you're a kid out there right now, and you hate this place, and you just hate everyone around you, and you hate coming here every day, and and you think, <laughs> you're like, sick. This is going to last <laughs> forever. Sick. Let me tell you something. This doesn't last forever. It's a minute in your life, and when you're out of here, you'll be doing better, and you'll be happy, and you'll be fucking smoking weed on your own couch. And you'll wear whatever DC shoes you want. Yeah, and you don't have to wear a tie, and this is all bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) You you could run your own podcast with all your your old high school teachers. I know. It is funny, though. Sometimes... like I said earlier, though, I'll meet dudes will come up to me. I do have some friends from there that... Not friends, like I still hang out with, really, but guys I remember... People come up to me sometimes and be like, dude, it's Joe from that school. We blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no fucking idea. No idea. I don't remember you. Blinked it out, man. Yeah. It's so weird. So. Uh, got deep. I knew this was one of those shows where you like get real. I just try to be honest. Man. Yeah, I like that. So. You're not like, who are your influences? You know, it's like a real shit. Oh, well, you don't know what my next question your next is. next question is. <laughs> who are your favorite comics, man? <laughs> How do you like working the game right now? Um, so was there ever, at what point for you was, did you kind of understand that you had an intelligence that a lot of the other people growing up didn't have? 
Because mind you, I consider myself kind of a, a funny dude. You know what I'm saying? Not in the same sense. Picking up that vibe. But you pick up the vibe that I think that of myself, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm picking up your funny dude. But Golden I, deer. I, I think in like probably fourth, fifth grade, I was like, damn, I can make kids laugh. And I, this isn't like totally normal. Like yeah. Most people can't do this. I remember in high, I remember high, like playing hockey as a kid and the, making the coaches laugh. And I remember thinking like, these other kids aren't making the coaches laugh. Like, I know how to make these old white dudes laugh. Yeah, like... I'm making everyone laugh and the coach, you know? I remember noticing that. I also, uh, my brother and sister are much older than me. They're seven years and nine years older. So it's kind of like I was used to this. You're you're the youngest, though? I'm the youngest. Me too, man. By a lot. So that's, and that's something I see over and over again in stand-up comedy is the youngest child of the family. And I think there's a serious connection there where it's, you got to be funny to fucking survive that shit and, you know, not to survive it like, oh, like it's, you're going to get abused, but I just mean to get your place in the conversation, to earn Demand your the spot attention, in the yeah. conversation, to just be part of the mix. You got to make it in there. Assert yourself. And as the kid, you realize, as the cute kid at the beginning, you can do it by saying something cute and funny. And then as you get older and less cute, you just got to be funny. So that was like fourth grade for you or... Yeah, I think I, I around that age. I remember my dad always tells a story about me at some relatives. I wedding. knew my son was going to be a star. Yeah, he always tells a story about me at a at a wedding or something when I was like six or seven, and uh, I had the DJ. I asked the DJ to put on a Michael Jackson song, and I did like Michael Jackson moves in front of the whole wedding. So you had that natural entertainment. I had a, sense. And my dad was like, "What the hell, like." He did this all on his own. He like went up there. He asked the DJ to play this song. He like made everyone look at him, and now he's dancing for all these people. And uh, he was like, "That's just an interesting." He always tell tells me that. Like he thought then something was was going on. Something I, was special about this kid. Yeah, but I, I can't remember. <laughs> I really can't remember a time where I wasn't trying. Like I wasn't of that mindset. I just think I always liked. It sounds really corny. You know? I like making people laugh. I really do. It sounds really corny, but it's like still to this day. Like, uh, I I get all excited sometimes when um, <laughs> there's like I live near an old folks home, and none of them know anything about comedy or anything. They don't know. They think I'm. They don't think I'm a comedian. Why would you assume this dude you're talking to in your neighborhood is a comedian? So if I can make people who don't know I'm a comedian, you just get laughs out of people. Like a baby. They don't even speak English. If you make a baby laugh, that means you're fucking funny. <laughs> or you're being a little too aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Just shake them until they laugh. <laughs> laugh, baby. Key, so. I do enjoy that. I always have. So I try to get a little hashtag value. Hashtag for, for the listeners or the watchers. Yeah. So Self-help. So you're totally full-time comedian in Boston. Which, yeah. Which before not just Boston, but yeah. I mean, I live in Boston, but you got to travel a little bit to be full time. Okay, so yeah, that's what Drew New was England. saying. Yeah. So you you hop in the the Accord and you take that Accord Honda Accord. I go all over, man. I've put so many miles on that thing in the past seven years. And so Will's also the face of a bunch of big Honda New England commercials, and they didn't hook, even hook it up with a booster whip. Like that's uh, a that new pilot. We're in talks. We're in talks, but honest to God, I don't want anything other than uh, more gigs. That's always kind of. Has any, that, has anytime it someone says something like, 
hey, uh, why don't you ask him for a car? Like, good car. I'm like, I don't want to ask anyone for anything. I like that they keep calling me and asking me to be in the commercials. Go straight, go they're, straight to that studio with their white backdrop. Yeah, they're like fun to make, fun people. The production's I, easy. I've been in like I don't know, like thirty commercials. No way over the years. Yeah, wow. and these are, and I'm not kidding. I'm not like just saying it. Like they are my favorite crew, favorite directors, favorite writers, professional. Like they're just fun. Like I legitimately would would have dinner with them, hang out with all of them. Like they're fun people, which is not always the case. Do they outsource the production company? It's a whole, it's all like pieced. Yeah. It's like everything. It's like, just like I'm an actor. There's people out there who make commercials. There's companies yeah. that just, so, so, if you, so say you own, you know, say you own a Burger King franchise and you want to make a commercial for it. It's like, you got to go find the people who can write it and, yeah, yeah. Cast it and is that Boston based the company or Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there's a well. few. There's a few Boston based commercial companies, well, advertising. How do you pick up most of gigs? Boston casting? Boston casting. There's a there's that's there's like four or five casting agencies in Boston and in the in Quincy and the surrounding towns. Boston casting's that juggernaut though, right? They're the juggernaut. They're the one that uh, you can stay have a database, so you can sort of easily. I'm, I'm in that database. Yeah, that's. I always tell people to get in that, man. Well, that's how I started up here. Want to hear the craziest thing? Did you watch the whole Drew interview or uh, yeah. pieces? I did watch most. Bro, of we it. were in the same scene in the same movie. And oh, we had really? no clue. And no clue. That's how it goes, man. I'm doing. I'm actually doing one next week, or no, I'm doing one Wednesday, day after tomorrow. Whoa! And. uh I'm wondering. Featured extra? You got lines? No, I got a real... Nice. I got a real part in this one. A small part, but... Can, can you tell us the role? I can't tell anything. I can't yeah, say anything. I'm even, even just saying that, I was like, I just cursed myself. I'm going to fucking get fired. Or the, cut. That's an NDA. Uh, I haven't signed one of those yet. But... Yeah, but I know... But like, I know for... Yeah, for like, me. there's a... They just hate it, especially with movies. But this one... Well, when Ghostbusters was out here, that's when I had known they were like, it's not called Ghostbusters. Buster's yeah. called Flapjack. I auditioned for that a few times before I knew what it was. For like, Flapjack, right? Yeah, like, but I was like, I knew Ghostbusters was coming to Boston, and then I was like, oh, this is Ghostbusters. Like, didn't you do that? Because I was like reading the scripts, and I was like, oh. Man, I must have auditioned. I told them, I told them, I was like, I will do anything to be in this movie, because I was such a big Ghostbusters fan growing up. And I, they, they tried. They gave me an audition for like every small part. And they just and couldn't they, find they just couldn't find anything for me. And then I was kind of happy at the end. I was like, oh, it was a shitty movie anyway. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed it. I, I, I'm also pretty awkward. I'm, I'm pretty biased because I think I like all the movies that are produced in Boston. Uh, Good Will Hunting. Uh, I that was produced in Toronto. That, that played a very big part in my. In my life, though, you feel like Will Hunting. No, but I when I was, <laughs> I when uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck won the Oscar for that, I was in that Catholic school. And you should not be named. Like, damn, this could happen. I was like, holy crap! Like dudes from Boston are movie stars, Cambridge, actors, Cambridge. Cambridge. That's true. But have you ever like has anyone ever heard like nowadays? This sounds, dude. I can't even believe sometimes how old I sound. I hear myself saying it, but. You know, this whole thing of, oh, shit, like, so-and-so made a YouTube channel, and now they're Spider-Man. <laughs> you know, That's like, real deal. people blowing up from, you know, people making it 
to real legitimate like justin bieber was discovered on youtube you know yes sir early youtube early youtube so it's like this nowadays it's very kind of oh anyone can make it and but when i when matt damon and ben affleck won an oscar and it was on the news here locally and it was like oh local boys i was like it was just like i had no clue you know I thought everyone in a movie or a TV show was like Drew Barrymore. You know, they were like from a family. They lived in L.A. They started as kids. Knew the studio. They knew yeah. everybody, which which was kind of true. But I, but it just put me in this mindset of it, acting, being an actor was like a complete and utter total fantasy to, holy shit, I can now point to these two guys and say like it's possible. And they're young. At, at what point did you realize, like, damn, I kind of got to be entrepreneurial as a stand-up comedian. I got to understand business. That was around, that was around 2009, 2010. My good friend, Kyle Plouffe, who's still a comedian, but he's more of a writer now. He lives in L.A. He's a screenwriter. Shout out to Kyle. Shout out to Kyle. I, I, I just saw him. I just hung out with him a couple weeks ago. But he really sort of was like, hey, man, if you want to do this, like, you got to do it like this and he sort of taught me how to be a businessman and uh and it was really i i i, I always got to give him credit like everything changed after that like because i just thought it was all about being funny and like that's 10 percent at, at it, the best it, it'd be nice if it was just like oh, that, right? i wish it was some guys and everyone thinks they're this guy one in every million guys get to be just funny and they can be a complete prick, hard to work with, difficult, aloof. One in a million guys get to be like that. Dave Chappelle maybe is one of them. But the majority of them, majority of people, it's like you got to be, you got to work really hard. You got to be kind of like nice even when you don't want to be sometimes. Got to be easy to work with. I'd say that's number fucking one yeah, people gotta like you right people just gotta go huh you know like i called connor he was there on time he didn't waste anyone's time like you know what i'm saying it's mm -hmm. like people remember that shit so much and i think that was a big thing you know in my early days of comedy when i wasn't necessarily killing every night i always i always had like clean clothes uh i did the time they told me to do and i didn't like bug anybody did your job and left. Did my job, like, send a thank you note the next day, send a thank you email, whatever. And, yeah, but Kyle Plouffe taught me how to, like, you know, send. I remember the best advice he gave me, and I, I, I try and pass this on. He was like, just do one thing every day to move your career forward. Like, write a joke, do a podcast, do uh you know, uh, I do the same, do same a, shit daily. Film a sketch, like whatever. Meet somebody. Just one thing a day, and you'll you'll be shocked Momentum. at how that starts to click. You know, he's dead. He he was so right. And I, it was a time in my life where I was kind of doing a lot of changes. Anyway, I was. I recently quit drinking, so I and I was starting to work out and get my back in shape. So I was kind of going through this like, what's what's uh, you got a little fervor in, yeah, you. a little fervor in me. Like, let's get the changes going. Like, let's make changes. You, so, didn't, you didn't feel as vapid. Is that the word? <laughs> vapid. Vapid. <laughs> so Kyle was like, uh, and Kyle was doing very well and working all the time. So I was like, all right, 
I'm just gonna do. I basically did half what he did, and I started booking weekends. And you, you were talking about being a full time comic. It's like I had the benefit of a horrible recession, right? So it was like I was trying to get jobs. I couldn't. Like I couldn't even get a job at like Uno's Pizzeria, fucking waiting tables and shit. You, you'd have had material for years. I know. <laughs> yeah, clam chowder or, or Bertucci's. Whoa. So I was just. Like, well, uh, nothing to do. Go hang out at the comedy club. Go, like, do open mics. And I started hosting. And then it was like I was hosting every weekend. And then it was, holy shit, I got, you know, 50 weekends a year hosting. Now I'm still poor, but I'm How, doing how old are you at this time? 20. I was like 27, 28. So I think what's interesting about that is, like, Mind you, when I was like 19, when I had started doing stuff, I was like, yo, 23 seems old as hell. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. But now that I'm 23, it's like, for me, it's like mad reassuring to hear people at like starting their careers at like 29 and 30 and then it growing over a 10 year period. I didn't even do stand up for the first time until I was 24 years old. So. And then when did you start getting good? <sighs> I mean, that's a whole, that's a really big question because I think there's, different stages of getting good like you know uh, when you start developing that confidence you feel me yeah i do i do know i know exactly what you mean i think i think it comes in stages i always say like progress in comedy is a lot like uh progress in dieting or working out it's like very subtle hits it hits and plateaus sometimes you're not really seeing it as much as other people like you're doing it every day you're seeing such subtle things you're not gonna wake up one day and be like i'm fit you just it happens slowly over time. People who don't see you, they see you every couple of weeks. They see big, big changes. But for you, it's kind of like. But you do. I do think there's these moments in stand up over the years where you have these breakthroughs. If if you're lucky, I guess you have these breakthroughs where things do kind of change in a night. And I remember, f- or or in a couple of days, and I remember there. Were, over the years, there was like at three years, I had like a new level of confidence, and then at five, six years, I had like a new level of confidence. And I remember sometime around seven years, I really started to feel you're like I'm the fucking goat. I started to feel just like oh, like I could, I could, like nothing scared me anymore. You know, it was like things, everything bad that can happen starts has happened. You've I've performed t- sick. You've performed sad. You've performed, you know. I've taken my lumps, kind of. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, you've bombed enough. You've killed enough. You know, you can. It can go either way, and it's not the end of the world. Whatever happens, and but definitely once you get confidence in your, I always tell guys once you have like a great closer, once you really get that fucking great closing that, joke, that knockout punch, that knockout punch. Once you have that in your arsenal, you start to like perform differently because you're like, I know what's coming. You don't know, but I know how this ends and it ends fucking sweet. So just relax everybody, you know? And then that stick along for the ride. Yeah. That kind of gets you into a new level. And then I, I think even in the past couple of years, I hit another level like where I was, I won. It sounds super stupid, but I try and be honest as much as I can. It was like I won this award for comedy, and I was like, I never put much stock into anything like that. But I was like, hey, 
I guess maybe I am fucking good at stand-up comedy. Like, it's not, like, I just, free, it was like, since the moment I'd met Kyle Plouffe, I was just like, like, head down, hustling, trying hard, not really thinking about, not really take, like, judging myself at all, just going, 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 and then I was like, hey, all right, this magazine said I'm funny, like, maybe I am fucking funny, and I noticed all of a sudden I had, like, just a little bit more of a, of confidence to bomb and then i was like oh and i think i think in 10 years i'll be even i'll have even more you know i opened for guys who've been doing it 20 30 years and they are better you know it's it's like you really do get better as you do it so one thing we just uh, kind of was no no you look oh this actually looks like rogan this is awesome <laughs> pull that up jamie love that guy um yeah so how much how important has persistence been to you you know what i'm saying let's say let's say like out there right now there's like a yeah. no, sorry 19 year old kid he thinks he's funny probably st- stupidest jokes of all time yeah has, has it really been like a everyday type thing like all right let me just go through the reps yeah i think it i mean it's it's easier to start when you're how do you practice? Like, do you just yeah, it? so that's a good question, right? I just I just got asked this the other day. It's hard to you want to stay home and write like a perfect act, you know, before you go do even an open mic night. You're like, I want to show up. I want to be fucking really funny there. I want to be one of the best. So you'll some guys, myself included, you'll spend months writing before you go on stage for the first time. What's writing to you? Like posting up in Starbucks and like typing on a pages document or, uh, not really. I've never been really been a Starbucks guy. I've always kind of been alone, like alone in the bedroom or alone at a desk or, or alone in a Cumbies. So yeah, Cumbies. <laughs> I got hey, a big Cumbies guy. Yeah, there's a lot of material coming out of Cumbies. I go though. to libraries occasionally when I'm really working on something. I'll go to a library. Gary Goldman, uh, kind of taught me how to do that. JFK, like right downtown. Uh, no, I'll go to the Southie Library in uh, where I live. Just go down the street. Oh, you live in Southie? Yeah. I thought you, in, I thought you said Chelsea on the phone. No, nah, no, Southie. Oh, okay, word. <laughs> I've been in Southie for years. And, uh, Shouts out to Southie. Shout out to Southie, and I'll go there, and uh, old ladies will talk to me and stuff. So, yeah. Is- Can you believe this news? I'm like, do you come to the library to like... <laughs> Chat. Have, you, have you been doing this for five years? The so one thing you're not supposed to do here is chat. Where how where is the Southie Library? Right next to that big it's right room. on it's right on Broadway. It's like the parade goes right by it. Right in the middle. The parade. Whoa, forgot about that. Yeah. Whoa. Um <laughs> So yeah, you But yeah, you gotta be persistent. You gotta but but so I always tell people like if you're sitting there and you're like, I wanna be a comedian and all you do is sit at home alone and write jokes, it's like you it, you really don't start. You lack this, right? Yeah. You don't start at all until you go on stage and and uh, it's kind of like playing guitar. It's like saying you can read books about guitar and you can watch videos on YouTube about guitar, but until you're like fucking buy a guitar and and play it, you're not playing guitar. And it's like until you're on stage in front of people and you're scared and sweaty, like you're not doing stand-up comedy. So when you had started in the city, were you just saying yes to every gig? Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, I did the. I was in New York and I would do that. You know, hold the flyers outside on the street and hand out flyers for a couple hours or an hour. You really are a Hollywood success. I did all that shit. (laughs) I saw my old teacher. I remember one time I saw an old teacher from that Catholic school. Like, 
like, she was you're like, pissed. You, you're she, pissed. She was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, man, I'll fly for my comedy show. And she was actually like, I'm not surprised you became a comedian. And you're like, I got a knockout punch waiting for you. I'm like, come on down. I actually really like that woman. It's some good teachers here. It's so funny though. I was, this I was, guy Will Noonan really hated high school. <laughs> I really did hate it. I was thinking about it. On it's so funny that you say that. I was, I, I mean, I'm so old now. But I was still thinking. I was on the way here this morning, and I was like, I don't know how it got into my head, but I was like, man, a school nurse at that school is like a real shit. <laughs> I was like, she was such a loser. I'm like, why did she want to be so friendly? With Dude, everybody? it's over, man. <laughs> it's 18 years ago. <laughs> It is well, true though. Well, you, can, you don't have to go like you don't have to like trigger me very. It's like the easiest thing to get me to talk shit about all boys Catholic schools. Well, in what's interesting is like, I mean, you probably, it, I think, in any sort of success when you achieve it, some people operate from a positivity side. Like, <laughs> but I feel like a lot of people hold on to a lot of stuff that fuels them. And so, if you had a lot of L's early on, I could kind of see why you been able to rise up uh, yeah i don't you know honest to god i don't think i'm too much do you operate I, from I, the dark side i'm not really like a fuel i'm not really fueled by my no, haters it. type of guy there are i do have a couple like there's a there's two people i do think of every time like i i get a notch anytime something cool happens i think about this booker who told me i wasn't funny and i'm always like mm, i'm not funny like, you know what I mean? It's just shit like that sticks with you. I think that's very Irish to be like, I'll show you. But but my whole thing with that, my whole thing with that school was like, I, I think the, the thing that I always, the thing they always tell you at places like that is like, you're gonna, you're gonna like love this when you're older. You're gonna look back on this when you're older and it's gonna be, you're gonna see how great this all was. And I always just think the older I get, the more I just think that was horrible and that like it was a joke. <laughs> when you have kids with your 25-year-old wifey, they won't be going to Catholic school. No, and it's funny. My girl went to, uh, they won't even be raised Catholic. And my, my uh, girl went to Catholic school and loved it. So it's like. I can see why girls like it. Structure, you know. I think for girls, though, it's a good time to be around all girls. And for dudes, it's just uh terrible time I, I had some friends there though who were good scott beckett hugh beckett they're both musicians now they were like fellow artists amongst the they're in the city the hockey hockey playing dudes i played hockey with some good dudes there and like i said that that, that teacher was there but <laughs> it's funny it's definitely the underlying episode thing yeah. of this episode is yeah. like will hated catholic school will versus the church you're I'm actually working on a project right now that <laughs> I didn't realize until now. This moment now is like probably because it's kind of uh, it involves me playing a Catholic priest. <laughs> Whoa! I could see you being like that young Catholic priest, right? like, that, like that Joel Osteen. Yeah, like that's the whole point is let God take over your body. Yeah, like, well, because that's what I think when I'm. I just went to a funeral the other day, and I think, as a comedian, I cannot help but watch priests and preachers and ministers and go, oh my God, like, this dude just does the same thing I do, only he's not even pretending that it's about him a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's uh, like... Uh, elaborate. What do you mean? Priests, they... Like, like entertain? They're entertainers. They're... All right, when you go see a comedian... 
there there's ego in that comic like that that comedian as much as he's there to entertain you it's like he wants to be up there too like for he, sure he likes to be the center of attention and he that's what i think when i see a priest i'm like oh this dude likes to be a center of attention he likes to kind of sell work this crowd right like here's a little bit of he tickles your 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 faith bone your funny bone your love bone and it and it's funny, you know, I kind of see it as a little bit more, uh, like, dark than stand-up comedy. Because stand-up comedy is like, I'm just here to make you laugh, man. It's transparent. Like, I'm just, yeah. I'm not trying to be your best friend or tell you how to live. It's like, those guys are like, this isn't about me. I'm only a vessel of the Lord. I'm, I'm a messenger. I'm just here. I, You know, I don't even have sex or, or have fun. Like, I just sacrifice everything for you guys. And I'm always like, all right, dude. Like, you're you're just a buffoon. I feel like that's, a, that's an age-old con- connection between comedians and the church. Yeah. Like, it's just, there's just interesting stuff about it. Like... Just it can seem cult like sometimes, you know. Well, I see. Well, they there's tricks to doing stand up comedy, you know. But but there's also and they do them. But too. the one thing about church, which it does provide, is like, dude, I've said this like ten times. Even if you're not religious, if you're like going through a tough time, it's easy to be, say like, "Yo, God's got my back." Dude. Oh, be straight. I am not uh, an atheist, and I'm not anti religion. Even you, be- I, you believe in the G man. I believe in in the G man. I'm, I'm I would say I'm like more of a Buddhist though, right? Or the G woman. Or G woman, probably not a man or a woman. It's probably like a thing we can't even comprehend because whoa, yeah, because we're just stupid. I always think when it comes to religion, I always think uh, it's just out of our realm of comprehension. It's like an insect can't comprehend, you know. Um, what, like what we're doing we're doing a podcast right now could we get a spider in here and explain to him that we're two men doing a podcast right now? it's a spider it doesn't even speak fucking english right well like, doesn't I, understand anything i don't know bro that spider from harry potter that massive <laughs> arachnid that one might get it <laughs> that thing was a genius bro but that thing started a colony like, dog it's like aliens right there's a good chance that aliens could learn could land and it's like we don't even know what the fuck we're talking to? Aliens we could you, be here we right probably now. know an alien. Pro- President of the United States could be an alien. It's probably your high school teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might have gone to school on Mars. But I don't remember how we got to that, but... We we were talking about... The G-Man. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, I do think... I think all that stuff's good. I just notice... Uh, well, just I, like when, when you had really tough points in your career, with, there was never a point where... Because as a comedian, it's like, you just eat shit for like seven years. There was never a point where you're like, yo, I'm, I feel like I'm being pushed in the right direction, though. I'd, I'd say with me and that, it was more like, because I quit. I had a bad drinking problem and I quit drinking. And I think it was more, that was when I felt the most like religion in my life. I was kind of like, I was like, man, I just kind of have to hope that how, there's how some, you, some power out there that's like pulling for me. You how, know? how long have you been sober for? Ten years. Congrats, man. Thanks, man. It's uh, I don't like to say sober because I do smoke pot. I'm like California sober, as they call it now. But I haven't drank no, alcohol. No, that devil's juice. Ten years. Just the other day. Just uh, a few days ago. Congrats, man. Yeah, no, yeah. You know, it's ju- it's funny. It's a lot like stand up comedy. It's been so long now that I don't. I can barely remember what it was like. Do you never get an urge? Nah, it's it's. It's so far, like that's what I'm saying. It's so, it's just, it's like something I don't even. It's a discipline. It's like, it's just, 
I don't even think about it, you know? It's I think for a first year, it was like, oh, man, I go for a beer, but I don't drink beer anymore. Now it's just this, it's like a vegetarian who hasn't eaten meat. It's just not even on the menu, you know? Did, did it run in your family kind of? Yeah. Yeah, me yeah. too. Same shit. Yeah, and it still does, I see. And now it's not alcohol anymore. Now it's like pills and other shit. It's just, it's the... I feel you, dude. Yeah, you know, that's the new thing in the world is it's very easy. I mean, it's always people have always needed an escape and alcohol. I, I was on a serious tip, you know. My niece is going to high school and it sucks, you know. Like when we were in high school or when I was in high school, I should say, because you had Adderall even. It was like the drugs we took and stuff. It was like you had to kind of be a fuck up to die. Like you had to do heroin or Maybe Coke, get some bad Coke. And heroin, Coke, those were like, you were deep into being a bad kid to get that stuff. Whereas nowadays, you could be like a regular kid and just have a couple Xanax and maybe too many beers and be dead. They're easy to come by. Easy to come by and easy to just OD comfortably. Yeah, I think in retrospect, like when I picture like you growing up, yeah. it's, it's like, yeah, like you would just go drink some Bud Lights and eat the bleachers, smoke a doobie type thing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. But, but no one, no but, one was ODing. You're right. that there was, The big Xanax craze was probably like three, four years ago when it just started becoming wicked popular. Yeah, people would... The big thing when I was in high school was like alcohol poisoning. You know, getting your stomach pumped. You ever had some of that? I have. Yeah. I don't really remember... You don't remember? Getting my stomach <laughs> pumped. So it's like... I heard that's not even effective anymore. I heard the IVs more effective. If you're like totally smacked. Yeah, I think, I remember, uh, I, I can, va- it's, I mean, it was well over 10 years ago, but it was like, uh, I don't remember, but I remember it happening in high school and that being the thing was like, oh, did you hear so-and-so had alcohol poisoning and they had their stomach pumped, right? But now that person just dies. It's like, you shouldn't... If you're a high school kid, you shouldn't have to die over a stupid mistake like that, you know, like just so getting, it's happened to my friend, man. Fucked up. No, it's tra- it's it happens too much, man. It's, it's my friend didn't die. My friend didn't die. Well, that's good, but it's still like it's, it's close. It's very close and it can happen so easily and Greg Giraldo's great comedian, he just died uh by not just recently, but he died by just having a few Xanax and a beer. What you know, dying wh- to sleep. Why is it that it it seems like comedians are always traditionally the ones who are fucking around with substances the most. I don't know. Is, is that, that is that? One. I don't know. I think about am, that one a lot. It's am, am I wrong in saying? No, that? I mean I think it still is. Like I've watched over the years. It definitely we're like the weed. Weed is like now the. It's everywhere. You know, I think in the way Coke was everywhere in the eighties. Dude, Union Square is wild. Yeah, <laughs> it's just everywhere. You know, which I which and I love weed. I smoke weed. You know, do a little CBD sometimes, but I mean, I just smoke it. So it's CBD is in that too, you know? So like if you smoke weed, you get CBD anyway. But, oh, so you're not on that holistic tip though. You're sometimes like, I have it. My girl takes it more than I do. I just like smoke like the old, the old fashioned way. People love it, man. Um, my mom is doing CBD, my mom and dad and everything. What do they have ailments? Yeah. They have old people ailments, you know, aches and pains. Uh, but I don't know why that is. I think about that a lot. I, It's a tough... Being an artist of any sort, I think, is really tough. There's not a lot of... I think it's tough to not have any routine or anything kind of 
that you can count on. You know, you're scared. Yeah, well, it's just even when you're six, even when you're successful, right? Like, you know, I got a long way to go, but at least I'm full time. You, you know, you know, gigs are coming on the way. I got gigs. I got myself booked. But it's like if I, you met Paul Rabel. <laughs> met Paul Rabel. But you know, it's like still that I'm not working for Staples, and I know I have my job in four years. But then again, you don't know that there either, I guess. Like any job could always kind of go. But there's something about being in show business where it's, I think, kind of extra in in your mind at all times. Like, man, I, I always got to keep myself in this game or else I'll end up doing nothing. But that's one of the beauties of being a stand-up comic and not just an actor. Because when you're an actor, it's like you can, you can go a year between gigs. When you're a comedian, it's like you can always go to a, co- a live yeah, that's place, awesome. make that money, do your thing. Like that's really what brought me into comedy in the first place. Was like, I was like, man, I can do this consistently. Since I got out of acting school, I was like, I'm barely doing any acting. Like I just go on these auditions, but that's not acting, you know. I was like, I just want to like do the thing Work. I do. So we got to wrap relatively soon. I had like one question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You enjoyed yourself? I did. I had a great time. I feel like we got deep. I was... I think we should do another one. We t- Yeah, we might do another one. I'll do another one anytime. The, uh, hopefully, hopefully the studio is a little more done. I, I think, talk so. too much about Catholic school. Yep, you, you hated high school. I hated... Definitely. I did not... I'm not one of those guys who like wants to go back to high school. Okay, we get it. <laughs> but I loved Milton High School. My junior and senior year. Okay, you got to go see... Like, clinical psychologist is talking about high school man i don't know i don't know what to say you didn't like it <laughs> so can we uh, just do another hour about catholic school well we'll just get i'll leave next time we'll just get a priest in here just get a priest in here <laughs> this is what the confessions were like at that school face to face well there wasn't anything yeah and they would give you a card that had to write it down numbers one to six like the sins six was masturbation and I'd just go in and I'd go six, 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 six. <laughs> until the guy. And go. Until the guy's boner went away. <laughs> I heard a funny joke yesterday. Let me tell you this joke I heard yesterday. I'd never heard it before. I really had never heard it. Street joke. Stop me if you've heard it. Uh, this priest. <laughs> I fucked it up. This is how bad I am. I'm a comedian, but I'm terrible at like telling jokes that I've heard before from people. Uh, so these three kids are at Catholic school and, uh, three boys and they're, they go outside and they, in the snow, they t- take their pants down and they take their dicks out and they stick their dicks in the snow. And, uh, the nun comes out and she's like, what are you guys doing? What the fuck are you doing? Like you got your dicks in the snow. You get, get, get out of my and one of the priests, uh, one of the kids goes, <laughs> he goes, Hey, Sometimes the priests like a couple cold ones when they get home from work. <laughs> but that's vicious. The best part that's was I vicious. gave away the punchline to that joke three times while doing the joke. No, well, the cold one. I get it. Like a beer. <laughs> like a beer. But it's a. I'd never heard. I've heard a quadrillion Catholic molestation jokes. I had never heard that one. That was a good one. So I was like, that was a good one. That was a new one. A couple cold ones. <laughs> 
is sick. Are you still? Are you Catholic? Am I like I'm offending not, no, the no, shit no, out of you no, this no, whole no. podcast? No, no, not at all. I'm not against. I, I do want to say though, like I think it's great. Like I think the Catholic Church is great. AA, they they do. Uh, AA is in churches. I think that's a great program. I just you know they it. fucked with me, man. Yeah, high school. <laughs> Hated high school. So real quick, you are full time in the city, right? Yeah, full time. So I've had tons of entertainers and creatives up here. And so doing it full time in Boston is not easy. As you know, the entertainment market is not as vibrant. So one, what venues do you cycle traditionally? And like, are you in a position where you can just do one show a week and make a big check? Or is it like you have to consistently get Hell no. Boston, I would say though, Boston is pretty vibrant for... I don't know how it is for other people, but for stand-ups, you can do well here. Uh, or, you know, you can make a living here. And that's it, been it, It's resurging, correct? It's definitely resurging. I mean, right now, you can make a... You can do well. I think those of us who were sort of just still here from the last wave or, or came from the last wave, we're like, we're doing well because we're, we're like more established. established, yeah. Uh... But there's shows everywhere, shows every night. There's Laugh Boston, Nick's Comedy Stop. Uh, th- those are two great clubs in the city. But then there's the the beauty of Boston is the surrounding. I mean, from here to Worcester, there's 45 towns. They all will have comedy shows, you know, once in a while. Worcester has three comedy rooms. Uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, parts of Connecticut, so you're like banging around all the time to all these different places. But but leaving the city is definitely part of the strategy. Yeah, I think if you want to do it f- seriously outside of New York, you got to have a car, you know, and you got to be willing to. Uh, you got to have an Accord. Did a lot. You got to have a Honda. I would recommend a Pilot and Accord mm. CRV from your favorite New England Honda dealership. That's right, dude. If you see me out there, say what up. I love it when I, I go to Fenway Park and I love it when people are like give me high fives. Makes me feel like I play for the Sox. ASMR. <laughs> Whoa. ASMR. So, okay, so that's kind of the protocol, right? Well, I think, yeah, I think it's, uh, here's the thing I would tell people if they're out there trying to do it, it's like, don't, don't worry about it. Big, don't worry about big picture at all. Like just focus on do, do like pick a project that you want to do work on that. You know, if you get, if you're a comedian and it's like, all right, I got an open mic at Sally O'Brien's on Monday. I'm going to hit that next Monday from today till Monday. I'm going to fucking get my set ready and then go Monday. See how that goes. Take it from there. Got it. You know, don't, I meet comedians and they're like, they've they've done two open mics and they're like, I don't know if I want to do my special on HBO or Netflix and I don't know if I want to be a clean comic or a dirty comic and I don't know if I want to do this mm-hmm. and I'm like, you're really worry you're, about you don't it. get how the game works yeah, yeah like you don't worry about stuff until you got to worry about it just do the thing like write the jokes do the stand up and obviously I. And Everyone be, and be mad stuff. patient. Yeah, you have to t- enjoy, like find a way to teach yourself to enjoy the the process because it's 
really never ending. The successful moments, the moments of big validating though, right? Yeah. But they're quick, you know, it's five minutes here, five minutes there. You, you walk off stage, and you know, you get something, but for the most part, you're going to be working towards something most of the time. So like learn, if you can learn to enjoy that and like learn to enjoy kind of existing in that energy of, I got this thing on the horizon, but I'm on my way to it. That's a good way to be. When you start to think, I got to be famous or nothing, you're just going to be a miserable prick every day and you're never going to do anything. You know, you got to, there's, there's people who sit at home and hit the keyboard all day and complain about the opportunities they're not getting or the, or the things that aren't happening for them. And then there's people who are physically out of the house doing it and getting it done. Those are the people who succeed, you know, it's just, it's, I think I've those been are, both those, guys. Those are the people who go into the back of a warehouse. <laughs> those are the people going back of a warehouse, <laughs> to meet a total stranger. And talk about how much they hate high school. Talk about how much you hated high school. I'm a, no, I know I'm going to get something from somebody on this. Because some of the alumni are Well, like, it just didn't hey, stop. It just didn't. <laughs> you you know it. why? Because no one's ever asked me about that ever before. <laughs> Don't, hey, if you have Will on your podcast, man. Don't ask. Don't ask him. Don't ask him about Catholic school. So what are the the prevalent, uh, Drew had told me, but what are the prevalent spots right now? It's the Hideaway, Bill's Bar. Hideout. Hideout, excuse me. Yeah, the cool, those are kind of like the cool bar rooms, you know? You have Bill's Bar, the Hideout, Capo Monday. Where would you start if you were just starting as a stand-up comedian in Boston? Just that Middle East open mic night? That's gone now. Oh, no way. That would have been what I would have said. Um, would you hit that? Yeah, I used to hit that right. I still will hit open my... It's been a while because it's the summertime and I'm doing like random gigs anyway. But I mean, when you got material to work out, you got material to work out. And one of the things I noticed, I th I'd still say this is true, even though I haven't been to a New York open mic in a while. But I used to think the, the Boston open mics are like shows, you know, they're way better. A lot of open mics in New York, it's just comics in the crowd and on stage, and it's just an, it's just a line of people coming up, kind of saying their shit. Going through the cycle. Going through the motions, yeah. And then, uh, but in Boston, there's more engagement um, from the audience. There's more mix of regular people, so they're not bad to do. I would uh, say hit up open mics for... A little while before you try and get on those show, those kind of bar shows, you know, the hideout. Before you go bug those dudes, the hideout in Bill's bar, like have a little something. You know, co the beauty of comedy, I think, is it's it's old fashioned in a sense. You go to open mics and just do your shit. You'll start making friends, man, and then you'll have a little crew, and then you and your little crew will start getting spots together, and it kind of starting an organized crime ring type thing. Yeah, it happens very naturally. It's a lot like the mafia. I always think comedy's a lot like the mafia. It's like someone you someone either brings you in or you have the balls to like walk right into the social club and say I'm the new guy. I'm here. the new guy. But there is that moment where you walk into a room where everyone already kind of knows each other. They feel like a family. And, uh, who is this fucking guy? And he's got to kind of you kind of got to earn your place at the table. You say watch. It's more accepting than it ever has been. It used to be kind of like hard to earn your place in the comedy community but now it's not not as hard as it used to be 
So, with that being said, having said that, this is how we start and end the episode. It's, this is weird for me because I'm so used to doing the other studio, but I just want to say, you know, Lance Armstrong kind of already did this. Yeah, his was a little more yellow. <laughs> that's that's gold. That's strong. And, and then we got the blue bomber. That's for you. That's for me. Both, yes, sir. Both of them. Yes, sir. It's cool, man. These get, are my two favorite colors. Get, Give one to your wifey. <laughs> I will. Your she'll doctor be, wifey. She'll be so happy. Yeah, she's going to take care of me when I'm old. That's why. I, that's See, I think forward. You know? You're calculated. I'm calculator. So, <laughs> <laughs> so listen, this is how we start and end the episode. You say, hi, your name, and this is my golden hour. You might have to lean back just a little bit. Lean back. There you go. Fat Joe. Hi, your name, this is my golden hour, directly after no break. Hi, Hi. your name, and that was my golden hour. Hi, so, so this is your now. name. <laughs> exactly. Hi, I'm Will Noonan. So it's I'm Will Noonan. I, I'm about to do my golden hour. I'm Will Noonan. This is. I'm Will Noonan. That was. I'm Will Noonan. No, no. Hi. You got to say hi. 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 I'm Will Noonan, and this is my golden hour. Nice. Second one. Yes, sir. Hey, I'm still Will Noonan, and that was... <laughs> hey, hi. Hello. Whoa. Hey. Sup. Sup. <laughs> hey, I'm Will Noonan, and that was my golden hour. And this guy hates high school. And I hate high school. Get out. Drop out. Thanks, bro. Appreciate Thanks, dude.